Hallelujah, Jesus. Let's lift up the name of Jesus Christ this morning. Hallelujah, Jesus. He is mighty. He is awesome. He is able to save forevermore. Hallelujah, Jesus. There is no one like our God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. His arm is not slack, that it cannot save. Amen. Praise God. We serve an awesome God this morning. Praise the Lord. Amen. God bless you all. You can be seated for a moment. Thank you all for being here this morning. It's good to see you guys. Amen. Uh, by way of announcements, uh, we got some big ones this morning. Yeah, watch out. Here they come. <laughs> Next Sunday, Easter Sunday, uh, we're going to be starting Sunday school officially. So, uh, if you know any kids, you're related to any children, uh, bring them. Amen. We are going to be ready. We're going to have something ready downstairs. And uh, so we are believing God that that's going to be kicked off and we're going to start seeing our Sunday school grow. Amen. Uh, April 18th, we are going to be holding a faith promise service. Uh, and Brother Nichols has so graciously uh, accepted the offer to come and preach that for us. It's going to be it's going to be awesome. Brother Nichols was a missionary for 26 years, uh, and other than all of the stories I'm sure he has, which I'm looking forward to hearing, uh, he has firsthand experience in stepping out in faith and believing God for impossible things. Amen. So, uh, just a heads up on April 18th, we're going to be mentioning that an awful lot until then. On May 23rd, uh, Pentecost Sunday, our district uh, superintendent, Brother Booker, has a vision to reach this entire uh, state with the gospel of Jesus Christ. To that end, uh, we are going to be televising an uh, evangelistic service from Milwaukee on that evening, 6 o'clock p.m., and... Uh, Different churches have been asked to host that. Uh, so at 6 p.m., May 23rd, we're going to be having service here. Uh, it will be a little bit different, maybe a little weird, but we're going to get through all that. It's going to be a live stream. Until then, uh, we're, we are going to be, obviously we'll be promoting it here at church, but uh, we're going to be doing a lot of different things, looking at uh, uh, retention programs, looking at outreach programs, uh, altar working, those kinds of things. Uh, we're going to be talking about those. Uh, we're going to be canvassing this city with uh, different uh, cards and information. We're going to get the word out that this is going to take place. Our bishop, uh, our, our uh, district officials, we have one here this morning. It is their vision to reach this state, and we are going to do our part to help fulfill that vision. Amen. We'll be hearing a lot more about that. So, uh, these announcements are, uh, I said they were a little bit big. They're, uh, for me, they're huge. And the reason for that is, I'm just going to expound on this just a moment, because we have time. So, 
Uh, these kinds of things, uh, the Sunday school, uh, the, the faith promise, we've probably, most of us have been a part of a faith promise service before. Uh, these kinds of things are going to, re- and, and certainly the, the reaching the state with Save Our Nation, these kinds of things are going to require a little bit more of us than normal. Uh, the Lord is asking us in the Bible, the, the nation of Israel, after a period of preparation and receiving covenant and receiving the word of God and learning how to, to do battle and uh, the Lord preparing and equipping and training his people. The time had finally come for them to enter into the promised land. And they told God, no. We will not go. They had their reasons. Fear. Doubt. Is the reasons they wouldn't go in. And so the Lord said, if you won't go into the promise that I have for you, you'll stay right where you're at. And as a church, as a church body, as, as, as the people of God, God has sent you and he sent me, men who equipped us and trained us and prepared us for just such a time as this. And now the Lord is saying it's, it's time. We're ready to move in to the promised land. And I don't want to tell God no. I was, I was hoping to have a little bit more time with everyone uh, before this took place, but I feel in my spirit that God is wanting us to move now. And so I can't do anything else but what the Lord commands. And so it's time to move as a church. And that means that we're going to, God is going to be asking things of us that perhaps are going to make us uncomfortable. They're going to scare us a little bit. Uh, But one thing I can promise you, God is not nervous and he is not scared. He knows what he's about. And if he's telling us to do this, then I I can promise you from the Word of God, if we will submit ourselves to the Word of God and just do what He says, and we do it in faith, expecting God to do something awesome through that, through our obedience, He will absolutely do that. And so much more than we can ask or think. But if we hold back, if we hold back our faith, for kids to come in Sunday school, if we hold back our finances because we we don't have it. Faith promise isn't about what you have. It's about what God has. God gives us a number, and he holds himself accountable to that. But we have to have the faith to, to trust that he's going to come through with that. And so the numbers that we're going to be asking for in faith promise, I don't want to be turning any missionaries away because our, our responsibility is not just to the city. Our responsibility as children of God is to the whole world. That's the burden of God. 
Yes, God has a burden for lacrosse, but he has a burden for the whole world. And if we'll, if we'll enter into his burden, if we'll do this his way, he will absolutely bless us here. But if we're stingy and we hold everything back for lacrosse, well, we can expect the same from God. I don't, I want, I want the Lord to pour out His blessings upon this church. But for us to receive the full blessing of God, we have got to give. Not just of our finances, certainly our finances, but we've got to give of our time. We've got to give of our talents. All of the resources He has entrusted to us need to be employed toward this end. And so in the coming weeks and months, uh, we are going to be focusing on putting legs to these things that we've heard, taking action on the things that we've been told, things that we read in the Scripture, the things that the Lord is speaking to us about. It's time to go. Amen. Now, having said that, Let's get into the word of the Lord. We are continuing uh, with our series on salvation in the Bible. We didn't quite finish last week, so we will continue with that. By way of review, Genesis 15, 12 through 14 says this, And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, and horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterwards shall they come out with great substance. Again, the Lord explaining to Abram that his descendants would experience these things in Egypt, and that afterward they would come out and that they would be a people, a people separated unto God. This covenant that was made uh, with Moses and the nation of Israel at Mount Horeb uh, was a unique, very unique covenant. Uh, there were, it was the most complete and exhaustive covenant that we find in the, in the Old Testament. It covers everything. And it was given, it was given because they had failed in Egypt. We see through the, throughout this series that, uh, when God gives a covenant with mankind, it always seems to end in failure. We fail to keep covenant with God. Again, God never fails to keep covenant with us. He never will. But at the end of each of these is judgment, because mankind fails to keep covenant with God. After the judgment, again, according to the character of God, is mercy. A new covenant, a new way to enter into a relationship with God. So this is what we're in right now, in this lesson. We are in the Mosaic Covenant, the Mosaic Law. 
Now, this covenant, as I said, is quite exhaustive. It covers a lot. Uh, and just by way of example, we're going to go through uh, the, not in depth, we'll kind of go a bird's eye view of everything this covenant talks about. It talks about God, that he exists, that he is the only God, that you are not to blaspheme the name of God, that you are to hallow God's name, that you are to understand that God is one, that you are to love God, you are to fear and respect him, and you are to imitate God's good and upright ways. It talks about God's word, that you should honor those who teach God's word, that you should learn God's word and teach it yourself. Every person will write a scroll of the Torah for themselves. To cleave to those who know and teach God's word. To leave God's word sacrosanct. In other words, you don't add to or subtract from the word of God. It stands as it is. It talks about dress. It talks about what to wear, when to wear them. It talks about prayer, when, where, and how. Love and brotherhood. That you are to love all human beings who are of the covenant. Not to stand by idly when a human life is in danger. Not to wrong anyone in speech or in deed. Not to take revenge, bear a grudge, or carry hatred in one's heart for anyone. You are to assist those in need. We're just getting started. The poor. Not to afflict an orphan or a widow. Not to reap the entire field and leave some of the crop for the poor to reap. You are to give charity according to one's means. Treatment of Gentiles. That you are to love the stranger. Not to wrong the stranger in speech or in buying or selling. Not to intermarry with Gentiles and not to lend to an alien. I'm sorry, that you could lend to an alien at interest. Marriage and family. That you were to honor father and mother. I'm feeling something. (laughs) Anyway. Not to spite or curse a father or mother. To reverence father and mother. Mm. to be fruitful and multiply, that a eunuch shall not marry a daughter of Israel. There will be no intercourse with a woman outside the bonds of formal marriage covenant, that sexual relations will only be between one man and one woman within the confines of the marriage relationship. That, by the way, has not changed. It will not change. Times and seasons, what to do and not to do during the Sabbath, What festivals were to be celebrated, when and exactly how. Details the start of the year, details each month. Uh, Basically, this covenant gives them their calendar. Dietary laws, details what may be eaten and what may not be eaten. Details on how to prepare foods, uh, that you should not be gluttonous. I'm I'm afraid that hasn't changed either. (laughs) Business practices. (laughs) not to do wrong in buying or selling not to make a loan to an Israelite on interest not to borrow on interest that you were to lend to a poor person that you were not to demand from a poor person repayment when you know that he cannot repay not to take and pledge utensils used in preparing food to return a pledge to its owner not to take a pledge from a widow not to commit fraud in measuring to ensure that scales and weights are correct Employees and servants, slaves, not to delay payment of a hired man's wages, that the hired laborer shall be permitted to eat of the produce uh, that he is reaping, not to compel the Hebrew servant to do the work of a slave, 
not to sell a Hebrew servant as a slave, not to permit a Gentile to treat harshly a Hebrew bondman sold to him, to keep the Canaanite slave forever, and not to muzzle a beast. Vow his oaths and swearing, that a man should fulfill whatever he has uttered, not to violate an oath or swear falsely, or not to delay in fulfilling vows. Court and judicial procedures, to appoint judges and officers in every community of Israel, not to appoint as a judge a person who is not well-versed in the laws of the Torah, even if he is expert in other branches of knowledge, to judge righteously, to not accept bribes, not to respect persons, instructions as to what the court was to adjudicate, property and property rights, not to sell a field in the land of Israel in perpetuity. That's where you get into the year of Jubilee. Not to remove landmarks, never to settle in the land of Egypt. <laughs> Wonder why. Not to steal, to restore that which was stolen, to return lost property. Don't pretend to have not seen lost property to avoid the, your obligation to return it. That's actually in there. Criminal law, not to slay an innocent person, not to kidnap, rob, or defraud one another, not to covet, not to indulge in evil thoughts and sights. Punishment and restitution as concerning the death penalty, detailed instructions how it was to be carried out and when it was to be prescribed. Not to spare the offender in opposing the prescribed penalties on one who has caused damage. To do false witness as they had purpose to do to the accursed. Instructions to make the punishment fit the crime. That's what it means by eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. That's not a harsh, medieval torture. It simply means let the punishment fit the crime. No more, no less. You poke an eye out, you lose yours. Cut off someone's hand, you lose yours. You're not killed for it. That's what that means. Agriculture and animal husbandry. Not to crossbreed cattle of different species. Not to sow different kinds of seed together in one field. Not to sow grain or herbs in a vineyard. Okay, I'm going to start shortening this up. Uh, clothing. Uh, man shall not wear women's clothing. Women shall not wear man's clothing. Not to wear a garment made of wool and linen mixed together. Uh, firstborn, how it was to be redeemed. The priesthood. Very detailed and exhaustive instructions concerning the priesthood. Their various roles, responsibilities, how they were to conduct themselves, required lineage, dress, the ceremonies that they were to perform, the whole nine yards. Talks about tithes and taxes, how to implement them. It talks about the temple, the sanctuary, sacred objects. It talks about sacrifices and offerings, what sacrifices to make, when to make them, how to make them, what to, what to sacrifice. Lepers and leprosy. There are whole chapters on lepers and leprosy. Isn't there, Kyla? Leviticus 13 is her favorite chapter right now. Pay <laughs> uh, for that later. The king, that he should not have an excessive, excessive number of horses or an excessive number of wives or an excessive quantity of gold and silver, that the king was to write a scroll specifically for himself because he's king, in addition to the one that every person should write, Talks about how to engage in war. That you should not fear the enemies, nor be panic-stricken by them during battle. Not to keep alive any individual of the seven Canaanite nations. To exterminate those nations from the land of Israel. Not to destroy fruit trees. 
not to offer peace to the Ammonites and the Moabites before waging war on them, as should be done to other nations. Always to remember what Amalek did, that the evil done to Israel by Amalek shall not be forgotten, and that the seed of Amalek should be destroyed. So, that's just a bird's eye view. Uh, That doesn't get into any real detail. So, we find... What I'm trying to say here is that it is a very, very exhaustive and complete covenant. It covers everything. It is, in fact, a complete worldview. We refer to our study on Wednesdays. Uh, if you adopt this, you have a complete and consistent worldview. It covers everything. It explains everything. It tells you why we do the things we do. And it has as its basis the laws and character of Almighty God. So this covenant, we'll look at it here a little bit now. Uh, There are different aspects of covenant. We talked about that in previous lessons. We're going to look at the Mosaic Covenant in that way right now. Uh, The words of the covenant. The Mosaic Covenant contains more words than any other covenant given in Old Testament times. It's divided into three categories, the moral law, the civil law, and the ceremonial law. Okay, The moral law is also called his covenant. It's also called the Ten Words. And that's basically the Ten Commandments, uh, the Tables of Stone. The civil law governed every area of Israel's life, their religious, uh, civil, social, economic, legal, and personal lives. We're all covered by the civil law. The ceremonial law governed the sacrifices, the priesthood, the sanctuary, and the festival occasions. They provided for atonement of the sins of Israel individually and nationally, and they served to foreshadow the person and work of Jesus Christ. So the words of the, the words of the covenant are numerous. They're exhaustive. And they were required to know it, to know all of it. It was read in their hearing every year. They were required to write the whole thing down for themselves. Parents were commanded to teach them, teach teach these to their children all the time. When they rise up, when they're in the way, when they lie down, when they're here, when they're there, when they're everywhere, they will teach these precepts to their children. It's important that we understand the Word of God. I know you've probably heard that once or twice. You're going to hear it probably a couple more times. But it's important on so many levels and for so many reasons. We need to understand what it says, one, because we're going to be judged by it. And so we'd better be adhering ourselves to it. Those things that the law says to do, those things that the Word of God says to do, we need to be about those things. First and foremost, there are things that modern man, modern woman experiences that aren't covered in Scripture. Not specifically. Obviously, we have principles that we need to adhere to. These principles 
apply to every situation we're in. One, one way, form, fashion, or another. So we need to understand them. We need to accomplish them. The moral law is still in effect. The civil law was done away with. The ceremonial law was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. We don't have sacrifices anymore. We don't have the sanctuary. Uh, All of these things were fulfilled on Calvary. The promises of the covenant, there are promises of blessing. You read uh, Deuteronomy chapter 28. The blessings and the cursings. Promises of blessing contained in the Mosaic Covenant were primarily an addition of conditions to the receiving of the Abrahamic Covenant blessings. They were a uh, a little bit more exhaustive, a little bit more detailed, uh, but it basically covers the same thing as the Abrahamic Covenant. It's quite a bit more detailed. <clears throat> the first 14 verses of Deuteronomy 28 cover that, and it basically involves obedience. If you will simply obey. Did you know that God has a love language? It's obedience. That's right. uh, You can read it all through the Old Testament. If you love me and keep my commandments, if you love me and keep my commandments, those, those two are tied together a lot. And Jesus in the New Testament kind of culminates that And says, if you love me, keep my commandments. So, although obedience in today's society is an ugly word, it's a word people don't like to hear, submit, obey. I'll admit, in my natural man, it cankers me a little bit. But we're not to be natural men or women. We are to be spiritual And our spiritual man, our spiritual woman, rejoices to submit to the Spirit of God. It rejoices to submit to the Word of God. We need to live and walk in the Spirit. We will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Because in that state, we can submit, we can obey, and then we can receive the blessing of God. I think some... In some instances, people have a problem with submission because they've had problems with it in the past. An abusive husband, for example, it's an easy example, it it comes to mind. Yeah, if I do that, then I'm just going to end up in the same spot as I was before. I get that, okay? I understand people come from situations that certainly don't represent the authority of God or the character of God. I get that. But these things are laid down for our protection. If God tells me no, it's because He loves me and He is protecting me from something that I really want that's probably going to hurt me really bad. I don't know it because I'm dumb. 
And I say it just like that. With with some things, I'm dumb. I'm ignorant. I don't know. I think a great big house and a brand new boat would be really cool. Lord, I'll do, I'll use it to to witness for you the blessings of God, and I'll use it to to I'll take people on boat rides and we'll do Bible studies on the lake. Yeah, God probably knows better. <laughs> so so we think we know what we want well we do know what we want we think we know what we need we think we know what's best for us we don't but I know for a fact that God does I know for a fact he does and so if I bring the situation to him and he tells me no I can rejoice in that Because God is loving me and he's protecting me from something that would have been really bad in my life. A lot of people want to say that, I don't know where this is coming from. A lot of people want to say that, you know, all of these financial blessings are, they're the blessing of God. These are good things. That's not always true. Sometimes it's a test. At best, it's a test. The more we have, the more worries we have. And the more prone we are to greed, and the less God is able to use us. If God blesses us, I pray God's blessings on everybody here. Truly, I do. But we've got to be careful with that. God is blessing us that way for a reason. It's not to buy my new boat or my third Rolls Royce. So waiting on the first two, right? But that money, those finances, are probably being given to me by God to be used in his kingdom. Again, we're stewards. And I, I don't have a problem with buying things, okay, as the Lord blesses, and I I wouldn't go in debt over it, absolutely not, but if you can afford a new toy, and it doesn't affect your relationship with God, and you're in the house of God, and you're paying tithes and offerings, and you're faithful, absolutely, but if it becomes a problem in any of those areas, now there's a problem, isn't there? I'd rather God just let the boat get in a, in a wreck and burn up, and then I get back on track. God blesses us for a reason. <clears throat> as long as we're obedient to the, the, the promises of God, to the commandments of God, to the Word of God, we can expect that He will bless us. Not always financially, but our lives will be blessed. Our ministries will be blessed. Our bodies will be blessed. Our minds will be blessed. Our relationships will be blessed. There are all kinds of ways for God to bless us. Amen. So, God says in the first 14 chapters, verses of Deuteronomy 28, if you will simply obey me, if you will trust me enough to do what I tell you to do, That's why we obey God. 
is because we trust him. He loves us and he wants the very best for us. I trust that absolutely. And if I don't obey him, there is no good reason for that. There is no good reason for me to disobey. I'll come up with nine right now that I think are really good. Just like that. But they're not. They're pathetic. They're weak arguments. And they fall apart. Because at the end of the day, these commandments are sure. God knows what he's doing. I don't. I know a few things. Hopefully I'll know a few more as time goes on. But God knows everything. He sees the end from the beginning. And so the next thousand verses or so are the promises of cursing. What will happen if you disobey? This portion is so big because he's giving so many chances to repent. So many spaces to wake up and say, yeah, this is probably a bad idea. I should start obeying it again. Because when I obey God, I get all of these blessings that overtake me, that overwhelm me. But if you keep walking in the imagination of your own heart, if you see a promise, or if you see a command in the Word of God, and God is telling you, go ahead and do that, I'll bless you. And we say no. Well, now not only can God not bless us, He can't bless disobedience. He won't. I won't bless disobedience in my children. Not that I don't want to. I desperately want to. But they've left me no choice now. And it's the same way with God. If I disobey God, we leave him no choice. He wants to bless you. He wants to heap and pour blessing out upon his people, upon his church. But if we don't do it his way, he can't. All right, terms of the covenant. Under previous covenants, the term involved in obedience that arose out of faith. Under this covenant, the term was an obedience that rose out of the works of self-effort. Faith obedience was replaced with legal obedience. Again, Exodus 19, 7 and 8. Stay with me here. Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord hath spoken, we will do. They hadn't even heard what he was going to say yet. Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. They didn't even wait. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll do everything. And, you know, I get it. You get really excited. I mean, you got God up here thundering and and lightning and smoking. Uh, the, The whole mountain is rumbling. Yeah, I'd have probably said the same thing. I don't care what he says. I'll do it. It was never God's intention for mankind to fulfill the law by ourselves, but through the grace of God. He knows, like he knows everything else, that we can't. 
fulfill the law of God by ourselves. We simply can't. It's not in us to do that. Israel demonstrated a complete lack of faith in God and in his promises both coming out of Egypt and in the wilderness. Now God would demonstrate that they would be unable to please God without his help. Okay, the words, the terms of the covenant, Ten Commandments. First four talk about a relationship to God. That you were to have no other gods before him. No graven images were to be made or worshipped. No taking the name of the Lord in vain and that you were to keep the Sabbath day holy unto the Lord. The next six talks about our relationship with each other. That we were to honor father and mother. That we were not to murder. That we were not to commit adultery or steal or bear false witness against our neighbor. And that we were not to covet anything. It all came down to obedience. If we obeyed, God would bless. If they did not, God would curse. The carrot stick and the spanking. He uses both, doesn't he? We see examples in the Old Testament, not necessarily uh, here, but moving forward through time, certainly in, in King David's life. He loved the law of God, and he loved God. And because of that, he was able to commit to a level of obedience, a level of relationship with God that most people didn't have in the Old Testament. God would be with people. God's Spirit could come upon someone. But, we don't really see a whole lot of examples of a relationship, an ongoing close relationship with God. Not in the Old Testament. We see a few. David's is perhaps the starkest. Most stark. Clearest. He had an ongoing relationship with God. He worshipped God. He prayed to God. He loved God's word. He wrote about it. He sung about it. His whole life was wrapped up in this. It was a relationship and it was an obedience born out of love. The relationship that we have with God can only come to fruition out of love. We will obey God because we love him. We will obey him because we trust him. It comes through to the relationship. I'm not going to listen to somebody I don't know, unless I already agree with them. If someone's telling me something diametrically opposed to something I'm wanting to do, something diametrically opposed to something I believe in, and I have no idea who this guy is, I'll probably be polite. Okay, I appreciate the input. And then go on my way and keep doing it. Exactly how I'm doing. But if someone who I've known for years and trust and love tells me the same thing, I'm going to listen a whole lot more intently. Still not going to like it, but now I've got to listen to it because I trust this person. 
I love them, and I know that they love me, and they're not going to do anything stupid with me. So, only one who loved the Lord completely would be able to commit to this level of obedience, to walk in the law of the Lord perfectly, not committing one offense my whole life, not one error in the law. If I loved God enough, if I trusted Him enough, that's the only way that this could work. Now we said before, it's not in us to do that. That's still true. It doesn't matter how much I love and trust God, without His help and His grace, I'm going to fail Him. I love and trust my family. I failed them. I'm sure I'm going to do it again. But the obedience the Lord requires can only come out of a sense of love, not duty, not fear, but out of love. Israel demonstrated that man did not have the ability to love God like this in and of ourselves. Our love is cold and it's selfish and it needs to be reciprocated. That's my love. That's my natural love. In and of myself, if I love someone, I'm expecting to get that back. So are we all. But the love God has is completely selfless. It's the love He requires of His people that we don't have, that He has to give us the ability to do, like everything else. God gives us the ability through the Holy Ghost, through His grace, to love one another like He loves us. God demonstrated that He would have to change man's heart so that we would be able to obey God. We'll see that in the next covenant. The blood of the covenant? Goodness. The sacrifices of the covenant was the body, the blood, and the offerings. We've talked about how elaborate, you know, the, the elaborate sacrificial system was given for two major reasons. To illustrate that no amount of continued animal sacrifices could effectively take away man's sin. You could sacrifice all day long, and it still wouldn't remove anything. It would roll it forward. It would roll it forward, but it wouldn't remove it. It could never take care of it. It was to the, it was to point to Christ's perfect sinless and once for all sacrifice that could take away man's sin. It was rolled away to that specific point in time where Jesus Christ could take care of them all once and for all. The mediator of the covenant Moses acted as uh, the king of the people, thus he was the mediator of the words of the covenant. Aaron was the priest of the people, so he became the mediator of the blood of the covenant. The Levites, uh, they were chosen by God to minister before him. Uh, so to this tribe, God gave to them the covenant of priesthood. Okay, the dual king priesthood of Moses and Aaron prefigured the priesthood of Christ, which came after the order of Melchizedek. 
the Levitical priesthood, prefigured the priesthood of all born-again believers in Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, you guys have the notes. We just have the seal, the sanctuary and the seal of the covenant to, to go through. Uh, you can read through those. Uh, those are included. The seal of the covenant, the sanctuary of the covenant is the, the tabernacle. The seal of the covenant is uh, keeping of the Sabbath. That is the sign. Exodus 31 and 30 says, It is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that ye may know that I am the Lord that doth sanctify you, that you keep that they keep the Sabbaths. So, uh, that is, again, in a nutshell, the, the Mosaic Covenant. Uh, next week, Lord willing, we're going to be talking about, I said next covenant, I meant the new covenant, which is not the next covenant. The Davidic covenant is next. We'll talk about that next week. Let's all stand. Lord Jesus, I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for your guidance through the word of God, through prayer and fasting. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have a relationship with us, that you love us enough to tell us no, that you love us enough to detail in your word how we are to live, how we are to act, what is proper and what is not, what is right and what is wrong. Help us, Lord Jesus, to continue to to follow after you, to submit ourselves to your authority and to the authority of the word of God to do all that you command us to do. Help us, Lord Jesus, for the remainder of this service, I pray that your presence would be here powerfully, wondrously, and that your name would be magnified and glorified here today. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We'll take a 10-minute break, and we'll be back.